0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. But before we do, guys, it's Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was just creepy. I wasn't expecting that. So I got to know, um, what are you guys doing? Do you guys dress up? What's the plan?
1: I, I normally do not dress up. But I will say this: hmm. today, my team forced me to dress up, and and so we're oh. recording this slightly before Halloween. So this yes. was this was a this was a, uh, a a it's
0: a nod to Halloween, a
1: nod to Halloween. Um, but it was an '80s party. We actually did like like a team murder mystery, and we all dressed <laughs> up like characters from the '80s. So I I was uh, I was David Bowie with uh, with face uh, like makeup and everything that one of my teammates uh, made me wear, and so I had a wig, did the whole deal. Carried around a guitar all day, and uh, I I seen this with my own two eyes.
0: I did not get the privilege of seeing it because I was not here at that point in time. But I have a picture.
1: It was uh, it was something to behold. So, but the whole but the whole team was dressed up. Normally, I would not do that. I'm not the sort of person that's like, yeah, it's Halloween. I'm going to come to work in a costume. You know, like no that he was he was a
2: a weird combination of david bowie and alice cooper
1: (laughs) it was it's getting worse it's getting worse yeah i i didn't i didn't go the full like glam outfit you know i it it was more leather jacket rock star but uh
0: you totally could have pulled it off though i'm sure you could (laughs) have nikki yes um
2: do you dress up
0: i do not dress up i haven't dressed up in a long time um I mostly just stand to the door and I pass out candy to all the kids and I comment on all of their amazing costumes. So I'm kind of boring.
2: What about you? So I I toggle back and forth between two costumes. I have one that's not really a full costume; it's just a mask. But I have a Batman mask. So if I'm in lazy mode on Halloween, <laughs> uh, whether I'm just handing out candy at my door or walking around with with uh, now just one kid, I just have I have four kids, but only one of the age that she still trick or treats. If I'm in lazy mode, I just walk around with my my Batman mask. <laughs> but I also have a full Ferris Bueller outfit. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. And Ferris. that one, I feel really good, obviously with my last name being Ferris. Yep. And if my neighbors and people know my last name is Ferris, then I get extra credit. I get bonus points for <laughs> yes. having a full blown Ferris Bueller outfit, but I'm talking like the jacket, the vest, like oh, the, whole, the whole thing. Yeah. So mm. it's either Batman or Ferris Bueller for me. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: That's incredible. So which one are you going to be this, this, uh, this Halloween?
2: Some of it depends on the weather. Mm. That's true. If makes it's sense. like winter snowing Chicago nonsense, then I'm putting on full winter gear and a Batman mask. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense
0: cuz you can't you can't see it. Okay. All right. Well, Clayton, what are we looking at today?
2: All right. We continue to be
1: in the book of Proverbs. We're talking about wisdom here. And uh, if you've been listening, you already know that the way wisdom works is it is not telling you uh, this is what uh, will always happen. It's not a promise, it's also not a command. It's not saying you must do this, but it is telling us the way the world usually works, the kind of uh, underlying principles that uh, tend to make for good decisions and uh, fruitful behavior and the sort of thing that honors God and leads to uh, good things happening in life. So there's this contrast between living wise and living foolish. And it is kind of guiding us in all sorts of very kind of ordinary life kinds of things. Uh, And today we are in chapter 23. So we've got a handful of sayings. This is in a section called the sayings of the wise. So they're a little longer than the... traditional proverb that's usually just two lines. These are slightly expanded, Um, but we are going to do what we have been doing for the last several episodes, and we're each going to pick one of the proverbs. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk both about where it works and where the limitations are, and we're going to see if we can grow in wisdom together. So uh, we're going to get started uh, with you, Nikki. What uh, what proverb did you pick?
0: Yeah, so chapter 23, I picked uh, saying eight, so verses four and five. Uh, It says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely spout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Um, To me, this is a pretty, I think it's a pretty prevalent uh, warning in our uh, society. I think any kind of society, day and age, right? Like any kind of era, people can get uh, pretty wrapped up in this journey to get rich right or to make a quick like you hear this now thing it's like oh like i made my first one million dollars right like these get 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 rich schemes (laughs) it's like all over all over something wrong
2: with making a million dollars
0: yeah it's like it's it's what can i do to to get the next get rich scheme you know so um
2: what if you get rich from hard work and not a scheme I feel like I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah, you, I get, I mean, you're already you're already, get, you're already asking you're where saying. the limits are. I
0: get what you're saying. But and I think the hard work is another thing too. Like it says, like do not wear yourself out. Well, people can wear themselves out in multiple ways. If it's uh, putting in uh, all these like super late hours, barely seeing their family, barely, you know, taking care of themselves and sleeping well. And then there's the other side where it's like, Well, I'm just gonna get whatever do whatever I can to manipulate and to scheme in order to make you know, the X amount of money that I want. So uh, the thing that stood out to me is do not trust your own cleverness. Hmm. Um, there is a, um, there's a, a definite thing uh, when you're an entrepreneur, when you own your own business, when you work for people, um, there's, a different, there's a certain kind of steps that you could take um, to kind of work your way up to the top. But it's not all in and with of ourselves. It has to do with uh, God's will and plan for our lives. Uh, I think, too, because it says, like, if you look in the study notes, um, verse four, it says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. It says, the desire to get rich can ruin a person physically and spiritually. Uh, and it references, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And then if you look and it says, uh, your riches are gone, it says, "Our trust, uh, our trust must be in God, not only in riches. So, a lot of us think that we're going to be completely fulfilled if we... You know, we have as much money as we can if we work hard and we get everything that we want materialistically. But the truth is, is that all of that can go away within a moment's notice. But what do we have left? Um, if we only have our riches and we don't have God, we don't have a family, we don't have all of these things. We don't have good relationships to back it all up. If we're not happy and content with what we have outside of our money, what do we have after?
1: Yeah. I, I, I find Proverbs to be amazingly realistic about money. It both describes the advantages and the limitations of money. So Proverbs is, does not hesitate to say money gets things done. Yeah. They're effective things. I mean, we talked in a previous episode about how bribes are even effective sometimes, right? And, and so there, it's realistic about the power of money, mm-hmm. but it's also really realistic about the um, the fleetingness of money and the, the limits of what money can actually fulfill in your life and uh, the kinds of things that it cannot actually uh, change. And um, and so there is something really good for us because I think uh, people tend to fall on one side or the other. You know, The instinct is to always sort of be suspicious of someone who's made a lot of money, like maybe they did something wrong mm-hmm. or whatever. And Proverbs says, well, no, like there are people who work hard and the reason they get there is because they were really shrewd about how they did it or they had good uh, relationships and connections and it got them there or whatever. But then it also, <laughs> some people will fall on the other side of saying, yeah, like money is, is really where it's at. And, and whether they would say it that way their life says, this is kind of the most important thing and it's going to make or break me if I, you know, have uh, the money that I need or not. And Proverbs says, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. First of all, it could disappear. And second of all, it can't do all the things that it's, you think it can. So I, I, find, I find it kind of refreshing uh, for Proverbs to just sort of sober us up about money. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: and, uh, and I'd say too, like, there's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of wealth. As long as you... Don't let it go to your head as long as you use it wisely. I mean, there's a lot of, yep.
2: Oh boy. And now it's time for your comma tip of the week. If your money is bothering you, just go ahead and give it to me. And this has been your <laughs> comma tip of the week. That oh, that was fantastic.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh. So what I was saying is like, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of rich and wealthy people that have done a lot of good in this world with the wealth that they have had. They're very generous people. Um, and so, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with it.
1: But what's interesting, I, I mean, I know we're, we're in Old Testament, but Jesus, he's like, he frequently talks about money. And nine times out of ten, he's giving some sort of warning about the money. He's saying, in a similar way to this proverb, it, it is not permanent and it is not everything. Mm-hmm. And if you put your hope there, that will that will be a dangerous place for you spiritually and in, all, in lots of other ways. And so that's why the New Testament says, look, if you do have money, you like, like pastors are actually commanded yep. to teach people who are rich in this life to be rich in good deeds, to not put their hope in wealth, but be rich in good deeds. And so like the Bible's just very plain about this. If you've got a lot, you're gonna think it's gonna be there for you but it won't be someday. So you better learn not to trust in it completely.
0: It's not going to be there for you all all the time, but it, yeah. it can be there for Eric if you give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> mm,
2: mm. I got all kinds of thoughts. Uh, which one do I want to grab? There's all kinds of thoughts floating around my head right now. Money brings options, right? If you have more yeah. money, you have more options. Mm-hmm. The kind of car you can drive, the kind of house you can live do in, more, the kind of school more. your kids can go to, the kind of food you can eat. Money brings options, and all of that is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I have met enough people in my life that I would consider to have great wealth to know that there are people who have great wealth, and their their relationship with money is super healthy. Yeah. They've made a lot of money. They enjoy their money. They're generous with their money. They're good to their friends. They're good to their family. They steward it well for the purposes of God and the kingdom of God. And they like there's just people I've met that are just they have a ton of money but they don't wear themselves out getting rich. They mm-hmm. are rich, but it's not the focus and the best effort of their life. Normally those kinds of people got rich because they were really good at a certain thing and that's what they wore themselves out. Their, their whole focus wasn't, I want to make more money. They got that money because they're really good at doing something. And so when I read this, this first verse, don't wear yourself out to get rich, it's not saying don't wear yourself out. Wear yourself out. Spend the better part of your life on things that matter. But the one thing that you shouldn't wear yourself out on is just the sole purpose of getting rich. Whenever people talk to me too much about the salary they make, or I'm going to take this job because it's this much more money, that's not all inherently evil, but I immediately in my gut get a check like, ah, if the primary motive of your decision making is how much money you're going to accumulate, that's a fool's game.
1: All right, let's talk about the second saying here. Uh, This is the one that I picked out. It is saying 11, which starts in verse 10. And it says this, Do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless. For their defender is strong. He will take up their case against you. And I picked this because I realized there were probably some people scratching their head about the ancient boundary stone and the fields of the fatherless and that sort of thing. Um, I have not flipped in my study Bible to see if there's a note on this, but it would surprise me if there wasn't something there. Um, but here's the here's the context for that ancient boundary stone. Uh, in uh, ancient cultures, but specifically in Israel, uh, the, there, the way you would mark out your family land is you would kind of go to the borders, you go to the edges, corners, and you would put, you know, a big honking rock there to say, this here. here's the border. And everybody understood this marks out your family land. And it was meant to be there permanently, especially in Israel. God made a law saying the land that was given to a family needs to stay in the family because that way, even if you know, uh, good or bad fortunes, you know, make one generation rich or or poor or whatever. The next generation is always going to have the land that they can work with to provide for their needs. So they're never going to be stuck with the mistakes uh, of the past. They're going to have something that they can use uh, to feed their family and to, you know, build their life. And so if you start deceptively moving those stones, sort of, you know, encroaching on someone else's land, before long, over the course of generations, one, one family is suddenly like, disadvantaged from like, hey, we don't have as much as we had. And and the person on the other side of that border now has more and more. So it's kind of a deceptive thing. But then the, the proverb also talks about the fields of the fatherless, because if you were going to um, uh, take someone else's land, um, an easy way to do it would be, let's say the, the parents, all like the adults of a, in a family have died for some reason. And there's, there's kids there, and they need to be taken care of by someone else in the community. But over the course of that, someone else comes in and start, starts working that land and taking care of it. And before long, they sort of stake claim to it. And those kids grow up, but someone else has claimed their land. The problem is, if you're an orphan, if, you're, uh, if you have lost family, you probably have less ability to defend yourself. And so the proverb is saying, um, you might think that you could get away with this. But even though they look defenseless, they are not because their defender, that's a reference to God, will plead their case. Their defender is strong. And so, uh, the principle behind that that is uh, to not take advantage of uh, people who are vulnerable uh, because God has their back. And so, it may work in the short run, but in the long run, um, God's going to look out for them.
2: So, in the study notes, there's not only cross-references to where you can read about boundary stones, how they worked. Uh, but also, there are pictures in the NIV Study Bible. So, you actually, if you want to see some ancient boundary stones, you if you have an NIV Study Bible and you go to the study notes, you can you can see some pictures. So, uh, yeah, to to connect to what Clayton was saying, to, you know, to move a boundary stone, which these are not just small rocks, but it would take some effort. But it's also sneaky, sneaky, right? Like you're 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 slowly stealing because you think a you're not going to be seen. Or B, you can get away with it because the person you're trying to rip off is marginalized, powerless in society. And it's, for me, the proverb's a reminder, just because you think you're not gonna be seen with your sneaky, sneaky stuff, and just because you think you're gonna get away with it, just remember this, God sees it all.
0: Yeah, so verse 11, it says, for their defender is strong, and he will take up the case against them. So there's a capital D there, right? A lot of people would read that Like, when we cap, like, you know, people capitalize, like, he or him, right? When they refer to, like, God in, like, the third person or whatever. But, like, is that referring to God or is that referring to the, kind of, like, that redeemer relationship?
1: We talked about this when we did Ruth, didn't we? Yeah. we. I I know we at least taught on it in the weekend services, but I think we also did podcast on Ruth. I I, I don't recall. We did. There is this principle that if there was someone who um, lost their land because of death or misfortune or something, that their nearest relative, um, you know, kind of head of household, you know, maybe a cousin or an uncle or some, you know, more distant relative, um, had the right to uh, represent them and say, I'm going to buy back the land that was lost for whatever reason. And they always had the right to do that, that if they had the money to buy it back, that no one could refuse them. They couldn't say, nah, I'm gonna keep the land. Um, and they would buy it back so that that family would, would get it back. And um, so there is a possibility. I, I have not dug into it um, to see if that word sometimes refers to that kind of, uh, what's called a kinsman redeemer is sometimes how it's d- described, or a guardian redeemer, um, but it could be. And, and the reality is that guardian redeemer concept was someone actually saying, I'm going to embody what God does for them. Like it was, there's a reason why God is called a redeemer. It's because he takes that kind of action up, but sometimes he does it through a person like that guardian redeemer. Mm -hmm.
2: I think this proverb might be working on both levels. I I do think that's referring to the guardian redeemer. Mm -hmm. It's saying, if you think you're looking at a person or a group of people who you can take advantage of and steal from, and you're gonna get away with it, just know this, there might be someone paying attention that you're not aware of that does have the power to take up the case against you, and then ultimately God is that person. Yeah. So right. it's it's kinda like an escalation. There might be a protector that you're not aware of, and even if there's not a human protector that you're not aware of, just know this. The ultimate protector is watching. So I don't think it's an either or. I think it's yeah. a both and.
0: Yeah. Well too, like even as I as I look here at the study note it says God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows. And that's a direct quote from Psalm sixty eight five. So yeah.
2: That's a pretty
1: powerful thing. Yeah. All right, Eric, what's your proverb?
2: Uh, my proverb is about walking drinking parties on Halloween. <gasps> <laughs> oh,
0: gosh. Oh, we, know what, and, we know what Eric I don't, on does on Halloween.
2: Does this... No, I don't engage in walking drinking parties, but I am invited to walking drinking parties every Halloween. Does this happen in your neighborhoods? Yeah. Has it increasingly yes. become increasingly. that the adults are not just giving away candy to the kids, but they're giving alcohol to each other? So it has just become... Uh, more prevalent, mm-hmm. so like the adults, could we not just give candy to kids and let them have a fun night, everyone? Now, now we have to turn this into a public intoxication parade. All right, so what, what's, the, what's the passage? That,
1: <laughs> was that, <laughs> that was a sudden rant. <laughs> <It was> like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well now let's read saying number 19. Who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaints? Who has needless bruises, who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights. Your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink?
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow. wow, proverbs with a little bit of a little bit of sarcasm, a little mm. bit of snark there. They hit me, but I
2: don't feel it. You're gonna in the morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I think this is a an interesting passage because of the kind of church cultures that I've been in. Um I the in in past generations uh church some churches have said any a drop of alcohol is a problem. You know what I mean? Like any any alcohol is sin. Um, and that's, that's not quite biblical. I there, there was some well-meaning stuff behind that, you know, uh, people, people wanted to be safe, but, uh, you know, you look at the Bible and wine is clearly served at places and, you know, Jesus drank wine and all sorts of things. And then I've also been in with kind of younger leaders in churches who recognize, hey, the earlier generation went overkill on prohibition on alcohol. Um, so we feel liberated and all of a sudden it's like, no, no, no real thoughtfulness about that. And in fact, almost a flaunting of look at the freedom that we have. Um, and I, I feel like one group of people who's like, nope, don't touch it needs to hear some parts of the Bible. But other parts, those, those uh, younger leaders that I've you know encountered, they, they need to take seriously this one because the danger of alcohol is is yeah. legit. It's not yeah. minor. <laughs>
2: See how mature I am and free I am in Christ that I can drink as much as I want and it doesn't bother me at all. Like That whole litmus test of I'm going to demonstrate my spiritual maturity by drinking alcohol is an overreaction to the com- complete abstaining from or saying all alcohol consumption is sin. Which, by the way, I think it's worth saying right now if you make the choice to completely abstain from alcohol, that is a wise and good choice. It, it's not we're not we're not making fun of that. We're just saying that the Bible doesn't lead you to say if you ever put alcohol on your lips that is sin. But it is certainly a wise and good choice for a lot of people. Yeah, and and drunkenness is
1: is a sin. Drinking yes. is not, but drunkenness is.
0: Yeah, because I mean, as the as the passage tells us. Drunkenness can lead to a lot of things. I mean, even, like, your eyes will see strange sights, and your mind will imagine confusing things. Um, Like, what what kind of inhibitions does a person have when they have too much alcohol in their system? They can't make the right kinds of decisions, and definitely not maybe the decisions that they would make when they're sober, you know? So, yeah, a person can imagine a lot of confusing things, say a lot of stupid, hurtful things um, and end up in just a world of trouble.
2: It's, it's so descriptive. Who has needless bruises oh, and bloodshot vivid. eyes? Right. So you're just imagining people falling over or getting injured or verse 34, you'll be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on the top I of know. rigging, like <laughs> the disorientation, the, the disequilibrium, being out of balance, stumbling around. It's so descriptive. Yeah, yeah I, the, the, the final line there, when
1: it's like, look at all the bad stuff that happens, and then they'll wake up and say, "When I wake up, so I can find another drink." Like, there's, um, there's humor in it, but there's also a lot of tragedy in it, yeah. right? Like, the the sorrow, the 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 like, place where where I feel sympathetic for the, this person. Like, obviously, there's a, a bit of saying, "Don't be foolish." That is just dumb. But there's also a certain sympathy of like, the person looks at it and it and in the throes of addiction, um it looks like, oh, it's sparkling in the cup and it goes down smooth and isn't this gonna be great? And after you go through all of the suffering that that then brings, on the other side of that, the cycle begins again and you say, okay, when can I get another drink? And and there's a slavery to that that is um, uh, both serious because you're gonna say, what, what's God gonna say about that? But also uh, deeply sorrowful and you, and you feel a, a, a sympathy and a compassion for someone in that.
0: I think for younger generations, there's an allure to it. Um, oh, I can now! Like I hit, you know, your person turns twenty-one, and it's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go get, like, wasted, right? Um, and then you have some people who uh, drink as a way to kind of drown their sorrows, drown the woe, the strife, the things that they experience thinking that temporarily it's going to ease some of that and make them forget, but then it just leads to It more. does
2: temporarily ease yeah, yes. and it does temporarily help them forget. But it
0: leads to more, you know? So there's, there's, um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Either way you look at it.
1: Over the, over the course of COVID the stats on, on drinking were really sad. Like the, the amount of increase of people and how, how frequent they were drinking, uh, especially among women. Um, and it, part of it was the, the challenge of, you know, a lot of uh, moms are at home or trying to work and have kids there and they bore more burden. Um, but it has increased, uh, even prior to that among, um, uh, among women more than, than men, uh, drinking, uh, frequently during the week and that sort of thing. Can you you
2: imagine how many people were working drunk during COVID Mm -hmm. on zoom calls and a lot more than normal remote work? It, it must be a a staggering number. Yeah. Uh, So just like I shared earlier about my gut telling me when someone's focus is money, that there's probably a problem. So if you say like, I'm just doing this all for, to, to make a buck, I found with alcohol that you can normally figure out when alcohol is a problem, when alcohol is the point. So if a whole gathering, the whole point of the gathering is to drink, like if someone says, come over and we'll drink. Your prob, not always, but that probably signals a problem. But alcohol being part of something. So like, for example, at my house on Thanksgiving, there will be a few bottles of wine on the table. The point isn't the wine. It's not the topic of the conversation. Mm-hmm. That's not all we're talking about. It's family together. We're having a meal. We're celebrating the goodness of God. The, the, the wine is there, but it's not the point. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm around Christians that, always want to talk about alcohol or always want to talk like Clayton, you're talking about, they want to use alcohol as a demonstration of their freedom in Christ. When alcohol becomes the point, it to me, that signals that there is a problem. So if you're listening to this podcast, especially as Nick, you're saying, if you're younger, be very, very careful. If alcohol is the point of any gathering you're going to, or what you're doing, you can almost rest assured you are on shaky ground.
1: Yeah. And if, if you uh, recognize that you are in a place where drinking has gotten out of control or some other addictive behavior, uh, just know that at Christ Community, we've got uh, Care Night and we've got uh, the, the care ministries that would love to talk with you about how to get help for that. Um, and even if you're not a part of Christ Community, uh, lots of good churches around have um, people who can talk you through how to get uh, help for addictions. And so please don't hesitate to do that. Um, uh, it's, it's something that obviously has great, great cost in your life. And so we want to walk alongside you and help you have a place where this isn't a problem for you anymore.
0: That's good stuff. Guys. So
2: if, if you're my neighbors on Halloween,
0: Oh Oh boy.
2: <laughs> Whoa. No, I don't want an adult beverage. That's how they always say it on Halloween. Like, would you like an adult beverage? You mean Gatorade? I would love some Gatorade right now. Cause I've been walking around for like four hours. No, I don't want your adult <laughs> beverage on Halloween. I just want you to give my kid as much candy as possible because I want to steal their candy when they get home. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, well, thanks for listening this week, friends. Join us next Monday for a new episode. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out biblesavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. You can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at biblesavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.